Sometimes the only thing that will liberate a man is fear. Consider the young soldier just sent to Vietnam back in the late 60s. He was brash, seemingly fearless, and eager to see some real action. The older men in his squad just hoped he would last the first day out in the field. If he was too careless, he would get others killed. Men in war must back each other up. The first thing they fight for is their brother-in-arms in the foxhole. But this guy was something else. The Americans were there to fight for freedom from communism for the Vietnamese people. But this guy deeply needed to be free of his own careless youthfulness. He was bound by his own ego and thirst for excitement, and guys like that had a life expectancy in battle that was measured in minutes, not hours, or days, or months. Whether it be in warfare for the liberty of a nation, or for a man's personal rights, the greatest threat to our freedom and happiness, lies within the human heart. He is not free who can do what he wants, but who can do what he ought. That kind of liberty that sets a man's heart free, begins with legitimate moral standards, and above all else, the fear of those standards being broken. As I think of the young soldier's hunger for battle, I think of the carnal man's own thirst for liberty to do whatever pleases him, yet he is bound by his selfishness and sin. That'll kill a man's soul and is among the most dangerous forms of captivity known to man. He is not free to love the unlovely, fight under the orders of his Creator for the release of lost souls, or to keep his own spirit free from sin. All of the talk about God's love, faithfulness, and standards go in one ear and out the other. When the young soldier saw his first firefight with the Viet Cong, he was totally unprepared. Though it was the middle of the night, and the men were mostly asleep on the jungle floor, wrapped in their netting, he was pretty much awake to the sounds of the night life in the hot, humid air. Suddenly, the night lit up like a hundred spotlights with a deafening roar of gunfire and grenades. The enemy had slipped through the jungle like ghosts, and now they were everywhere. Gripping the bottom of his foxhole, he watched his friend raise his weapon to return fire. It was a memory that changed his life as, before his eyes, the soldier's life was snuffed out in an explosion of blood and shrapnel. Then, that fast it was over. The seasoned soldiers had quickly dispatched the invaders with a furious spray of bullets and grenades and two flamethrowers. The thirst for battle was gone. Dreams of taking out the enemy were replaced by nightmares of what he had just seen. The rest of his squad knew that he would no longer be a threat to them or himself. He had found the fear of God in an instant. His life ever changed, but at least it was a life he could live. The fear instilled in him from the fury of war set him free from himself. It was not that different from the day that Israel made the golden calf when Moses delayed his return from the mountain of God. He was to present all of mankind with the Ten Commandments, yet this was what greeted him. Moses' orders from God were to tell the priests to each man strap a sword on his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, and each one killing his brother and friend and neighbor. 
the fury of judgment had the impact of warning all of humanity from that day onward that blatant idolatry that defies God and defiles the nation will work death in men. If men are not liberated from the terrible thirst of sin, like the eager young soldier who wanted the excitement of battle, that sin will destroy life. Yet what must not be lost on us is that judgment was not merely a warning against defiling the sanctity of human life. It was a decisive display of what happens when humanity defiles the glory of God. Throughout Israel's wilderness journey, intended to prepare them for the release of God's glory to bless them, they would learn to honor, respect, and hold God's holiness in the highest regard. It was the fear of God that caused them to be liberated from the consequences of their own aggressively sinful hearts. The young soldier had a blunt but effective fear instilled in his heart that first night in the jungle. And the lesson that Israel learned was that when you have the fear of the Lord in you, it will set you free from yourself. It is the beginning of wisdom and the backdrop for true liberty and true love. Sadly, Israel didn't learn the lesson very well. I sense that America is about to learn that lesson. And let me be clear, when I say I sense this, I mean very clearly that as a man called to preach what God has given and to act as an ambassador for Him, I don't have a right to my own feelings on the subject. A man with a word from God is more convinced than a man with a scientific discovery and far more convinced than those that teach theory as fact. For example, we are sure about the laws of gravity. By experience with the revelation of God, we are more sure about the law of God. The U.S. Constitution attempts to preserve liberty for all men, but the perfect law of liberty through Christ establishes freedom. Men have given their lives for patriotism and confidence in the greatness of their nation. But men have also given their lives for the greatness of God. One's liberty ends at the grave. The other's liberty has conquered the grave. That's why any preacher with a revelation of the glory of God is more convinced about what he believes than is any man with the confidence that comes from the relative discoveries of man's capacity. Job said, Though after worms destroy my body, I am convinced that in my flesh I shall see God. Paul wrote, I know whom I believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him against that day. And Jesus said, If you believe and do not doubt, you can speak to this mountain, and it shall move. A man of God, who has a word from the Lord, does not share what he hears to debate it or present it as a theory. He speaks for God and leaves it with his hearers to accept or reject. The veracity of what he shares is not dependent upon the man, but rather is it grounded upon the absolute surety of God himself. Any less attitude upon the messenger to doubt what God has put in his heart and on his lips will subject him to the judgment of God. For he is an ambassador who speaks the will of his commander-in-chief, and not his own. So I say to you again, America is about to learn in devastating fashion what it means to fear the Lord. I had to say this out loud the other day. I 
fear the Lord more than I hate the left. I believe the Lord more than I believe what the socialists are doing. I fear the Lord more than my own fears for this nation. I will fear the Lord with patience more than I will fear the expectations of men. I will fear the loss of the glory of the Lord more than I will fear the loss of my own glorious ego. That's a confession that I pray is becoming a reality when the battles of the day get hotter. There is nothing like the liberty that the fear of the Lord brings. It is a reverence and respect for the awesome and unchanging power and purity of His Word. And make no mistake, such godly fear will always lead to a greater faith in the amazing love of God as we see just how patient and merciful He truly is. Instead of leading to paranoia, the fear of the Lord leads to the great peace of trusting in His Word of gracious redemption. We're living in a day when we are being led to follow the glory like Israel followed the Ark of the Covenant. Of Israel's priests who executed their duty at the command of the Lord to slay their neighbor for making gold their God, Moses said, You have been set apart for the Lord this day, for you are against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. They displayed a consecration to God above all else. And lest we think that is a radical hatred for our own sons, the best way to love our children is to love God in the fear of the Lord, that they might be blessed with faith in Him. The consequences of sin are more dire than an earthly death, and God still asks for a dedication that is worthy of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The act of divine vengeance that day was surely a horrible scene to behold, yet the heart of it today says that God requires a person to be set apart for him above all else if he is to walk in the glory and blessing of heaven. And he is not afraid to judge any nation. Let me say it again. God is not afraid to judge any nation that continually acts as though he is a liar. When the king in Jerusalem took the gold under the command of the temple of God, and gave it as a bribe to an attacking enemy, he was told, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. You have done a foolish thing, and from now on, you will have war. A life of battles is destined for the one whose heart has not found the treasure of being fully committed to God. Yet he will surely strengthen the life of any man who will trust him, no matter what.